0: Well, good morning and welcome to Wells Branch Community Church. My name is James Foster and I'm one of the pastors here. And I'm so excited to share with you from God's word this morning. We're going to be in John chapter 17, so if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there. And while you do, let me catch you up on this series. This series is Reconciled. It's all about how God has done this mighty work to reconcile us to himself, and he's given us this mighty work, this weighty work of reconciliation. Our world is in desperate need for reconciliation, and uh, unless you live under a rock, you know that. Uh, even last night in Austin, there was a shooting uh, at a Black Lives Matter protest, and uh, someone died. someone died. And so our city is not immune to the unrest that is in this country, and we need reconciliation. We need unity now more than ever. And so we're hoping and we're praying that this would be an effective series for us to really grasp our role as ministers of reconciliation so that we can help be part of God's work here in this city. Now, uh, If you've been here before, you know that we love questions. We will address your questions uh, throughout the week, and this number will be on the bottom of the screen throughout the message, but also it'll be in the chat box, so you can go ahead and text uh, this number with questions. It's anonymous. We don't know who sends them, uh, but we love to answer those throughout the week. Now, uh, we know that reconciliation is important. We know that unity is important, but because of our sin, because of who we are, we have trouble pursuing unity, and it's because... We resist it because we prefer these, these other things instead. So instead of uh, sanctification, we prefer selfishness. Uh, we we want to be happy more than we want to be holy. We want to be right more than we want relationships. And so oftentimes what this looks like is we're just really arrogant and really prideful. And our pride is repulsive. It pushes others away. And, and what God's heart for us with unity is, is that he would be uh, demonstrating his power and his love through the way that his church is united. And, and that would be the hope, that, uh, and, and that he would really be on display through our marriages and through the church. And these are two areas that are of special focus for God because it really displays his glory, but also these are areas that are under constant attack from the enemy, that he wants to divide our marriages. He wants to uh, make us hate one another, and he wants to divide the church um, so that uh, God can God's glory won't be shown to a world who's in desperate need of a Savior. The second way we resist pursuing uh, perfect unity is that we prefer staying over sentness. Being, seeing ourselves as a sent one, it's, it's, a, it's a shift in our mindset. It's something that's difficult for us to see. We would rather stay because it's comfortable here. We want the good life more than the sent life, and those two things are opposed to one another. The good life is, hey, I want to build my kingdom. I want to have my nice stuff. Don't touch my stuff. This is all about me. But the scent life is, no, I'm going to l- put myself low so that I can serve you, so that I can show you that I know my God. And uh, a lot of times, this uh, that for me, uh, I- I'm guilty of this, right? Uh, and that there have been times where I've been so busy and so packed with uh, trying to make my good life, even with something like uh, seminary, I've been so busy trying to get a good grade and afraid that I was going to fail that I I've neglected caring for friends. And so I can find myself and we can find ourselves staying over being sent ones and going. And, and the third way that this happens is that we prefer surface over substance. And so when uh, things get hard, right, it's easy to just put a Band-Aid or say, hey, we'll, we'll work through this later. Um, I, don't need to, I don't need to fix this right now. Let me just uh, pretend that we're good, and I'm just going to tolerate you. And if I just tolerate you, it doesn't really matter that we really have unresolved conflict. And in, in our marriages and in, in the church, this is, especially, uh, this is especially true, right? Where it's like, hey, let's just put on a happy face. We'll go to church. We'll, we'll pretend that everything's good. And then uh, we'll, we'll work it out later. We'll hash it out. The second you get in the car, you're starting the argument again. And, and, and the issue is that we would rather talk about people than really resolve the conflict. Because resolving conflict takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of energy. It takes a lot of effort. And it, and it hurts. It's painful. It's a painful process. And so for these reasons, uh, we neglect pursuing perfect unity, but God desires for us to pursue that perfect unity. And what, where we reach this in God's Word today is John chapter 17. Jesus is about to go to the cross. He prays for himself. He prays for his disciples, and then he prays for future disciples. He prays for us. And this is this beautiful text because we get to see the heart of God. We get to see Jesus' heart for his disciples and for his church. And so this is a great place for us to learn why unity is important and essential for us to pursue, starting in verse 13. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. And Jesus says, I'm coming to you. He's about to go to the cross. He's going he's to go and be with the Father, and he's saying, these things I speak, the things that I've given my disciples, these words that I've given them, uh, they're from you, and uh, the reason that I've spoken them is that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. A lot of times we can think, God just has like these rules or these things that uh, we have to do, and we have to respond to those it, and do all these things. But no, it's, it's that God has given us his word. He spoke his word through Jesus and through uh, his word, the Bible, that we can, we can look to and glean from, uh, that we might have his joy fulfilled in ourselves. Because when we try to find our joy anywhere else, it's going to be empty. We're not going to find joy in anything but Jesus, and we're not going to find our joy in anything but God it's word. He says, I've given them your word, and the world has hated them. He says, the world. And when he says world here, wor- world is repeated 11 times in these 11 verses. It's, it pops up over and over and over again. And what it's talking about is either non-believing people in the world, or it's talking about uh, the systems of this world that are hostile to the, even the idea that God exists. He says, the world has hated them because they're not of the world just as I am not of the world. And and he repeats this phrase, they are not of the world just as I am not of the world. And, And what's cool here is that if you're in Christ, if you've trusted that Jesus lived the perfect life you could never live, that he died on the cross for your sin, that he rose from the dead, if you've believed in Jesus, you're in Christ, and you're no longer in, you are no longer of the world. You're in the world, but you're not of the world. You are a sent one. You are representative of Jesus. He says, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. Whenever we get saved, we don't just get teleported to heaven, right? That would be cool in a lot of ways that uh, we just not have to deal with any sin on this side uh, because all of a sudden we're, we're right with God and we can we can just go there. Um, and, and some people in places have tried to do this with uh, like... Monks or Puritans have said, let's just isolate ourselves from the world and keep ourselves from the sin that's in the world. Uh, this isn't the heart of God. He says, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. Keep them from Satan. What he's talking about here is that uh, the, the fight that is at hand, it's not with uh, flesh and blood, but it's with the prince of the power of the air. It's with Satan. And there's these powers at work in the in the world where we see things like uh, the shooting last night. And you just say, that that's demonic. It's from a A dark, demonic place that people would be able to take another's life like that in a cold-blooded murder. He says again, they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. That's a reminder for you, church, that, that you're not of the world. You're in the world, but you're not of the world. You are of the cross. He says this, Jesus desires his disciples to be joyful sent ones in a hateful world. Jesus desires his disciples to be joyful sent ones in a hateful world. For us to embrace this, for us to be people of the world and not, uh, we're people of the cross now, not people of the world. And for us to embrace this uh, reality with people who are so very different from us, it's really challenging, right? That the people of the world and the people of the cross, they don't mix. There's nothing alike in them, right? There's this hostility, this enmity within those two in and of themselves, right? But God has given us this this, um, ministry, right? So the only way that people of the world and people of the cross could mix, was that people of the cross are sent to people of the world to share the good news, the hope that we have in Jesus. And so, um, are are you a joyful sent one? Do you see yourself as a joyful sent one? Are you living as one who is full of joy? And if you are, I want you to type that in the chat. Say, I am a joyful sent one. Go ahead, type it in there, uh, and, and, and let me know. Let me know that you are joyful. Let me know that you are a sent one, that you see yourself that way. And, um, and and the big thing here with joy is uh, when, we, when we realize that God is for our joy, we are able to embrace the ministry that he's given to us. He, we're able to embrace the life that he's given to us, not as ones who uh, will have this, this emptiness, but we have the fullness of joy that everything— all of God's love is at our disposal. We have all of God because we're in Christ and that relation, we have that relationship. So we should be full of joy. And as we walk in his ways, as we walk according to his word, we're going to experience that joy and say, oh, this isn't like you're just taking something away from me. But you really know how this works because it's like, almost like you designed the whole world, right? Like you created it all and you know how, how it works. And... Um, And so what does this mean to be a joyful sent one? To be a joyful sent one, it means that we embrace this reality. We embrace this mindset of being sent to the world, that we are not of the world, but we're in the world and we're sent to the world, right? And so uh, one way that I've embraced this mindset before is through visitation ministry. Robert Sass is an elder here, and he, he still leads teams on Tuesday nights to go and reach people with the gospel, usually knocking door to door and talking to them, sharing, uh, really getting to know them first, and then sharing from that knowing them of the hope that he has, of the hope that he has in Jesus Christ that is secure. And this is a really cool ministry. It's a really intimidating ministry for, uh, for us that we're gonna go and we're gonna share the hope that we have in Christ. And it's gonna be difficult. It's gonna be challenging. There's gonna be some people that hate us more visibly than others. And some people that just say you're stupid and say hurtful things, and then you're done. A lot of doors slammed in the face. A lot of people that don't answer or uh, just crack the door and say, go away. Uh, it, it's, it's a lot of that. But in this ministry, uh, years ago, like, before I was married years ago, uh, we're knocking on doors, and we go to this house, and, and I meet uh, this guy, Kevin. And um, whenever we get to uh, the yard, I see that there's some differences. There's a flag up that has, like, this ugly orange cow and, like, horns on it. And I know already that, that this is not somebody that I'm going to like. And then, uh, then it, it, the difference is, like, it, it's almost comedic how, how different— Kevin and I are, right? He's black, I'm white, uh, he's a rapper, and uh, I have no rhythm. Uh, he, he is, he's, and he's not just like sort of a rapper, he's like a big deal rapper, like he's uh, going to ACL, he's doing South by Southwest, he's touring with all the big names of this time, uh, and I'm a nobody. And like, he's like full of style, he's super cool, uh, and I'm just like, what is happening? Are we, are we at the wrong house? Because I feel like super intimidated and super out of place here. He's super cool, and I'm super awkward. And uh, let me show you guys uh, Kevin here. Uh, so this is Kevin uh, doing a concert. Just uh, embrace Kevin's coolness and my awkwardness here for a second. About as opposite as can be, right? Um, and and if you're a normal person, when you go and you are hearing and sharing the gospel, you're going to feel even more Uh, awkward telling someone, hey, uh, I think that you're a sinner, and uh, because you're a sinner, you've got a need for hearing the gospel, that Jesus lived the perfect life you could never live, that he died the death that you deserve, that he rose from the dead. And if you believe in him, you can live forever with him. That might feel awkward. Um, I think my my awkward feeling— Thing. It's not something I, I really have, so I don't always feel that awkwardness. But I know for a normal person sharing the gospel with someone way cooler than you, it, it, it's really hard. It's really difficult. It, it feels really weird, right? Like, uh, are we at the right house? Is this the right person? Uh, I mean, just look. He's got all this style. Uh, I, I was reading some uh, old reviews about Kevin, and his, and a lot of people uh, were just boasting about his lavish style and how he pushes it. Uh with his fashion and all these things, and I'm like the guy who's getting made fun of for wearing tall socks with my uh, shorts. Like I'm 40 years old, and and so these this felt really discouraging. It felt really confusing. Like strategically, there there has to be a better group that we could send. Uh, we could send somebody to see Kevin. And so, uh, but but I saw myself as a joyful sent one, and as I saw myself as a joyful sent one, it, it allowed me to say, okay, I I know that I'm a joyful sent one that. God, maybe you're doing something through this, and so uh, I'm here and I'm available. Let's do it. So we, we see that Jesus prays for his disciples to be joyful sent ones. What else does Jesus pray for his disciples? Verse 17 says this. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. Sanctify, it's this big word. It just means set them apart for holy purposes. Set apart for holy purposes. So for a believer, as we're sanctified, we become more and more like Jesus. From one degree of glory to the next, we're becoming like our King, like Jesus. And uh, what Jesus is praying here is he's saying, set them apart for a holy purpose. Let them be uh, set apart. And, And what's cool is that God answers this prayer, that the reason we would have God's word is that, The disciples were faithful to this, that they walked in this, that they lived this out. He says, your word is truth. Uh, And this is the way that we would be sanctified. The way that we would be able to become more like Jesus is by living, breathing, knowing God's word, being acquainted with God's word, not just hearing it, but hearing it and obeying it, being changed in our head, in our heart, and in our hands, in our very being by God's word. Because that's where the joy is. He is where the joy is. As you sent me into the world, he says, I've, I was sent, and I'm sending them. I'm the sent sender. And, and we, we're following Jesus as we become set apart, as we're sanctified, and we're following Jesus as we uh, be, be sent, as we are sent ones who have this hope, we have this message, and we're sharing it with others. And he says, and for their sake, I consecrate myself. It's, it's the same word as sanctify, that they also may be sanctified in truth. He's saying, I'm setting myself apart. For them to be sinless, I'm going to bear their sin. I'm going to be the sacrificial lamb who would go to the cross, who would pay for their debt, who would pay for a way for them to be seen as sinless. I'm going to take all of their sin upon myself. I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. This is the gospel that anyone who believe in Jesus may also be sanctified in truth. Jesus desires his disciples to be set apart, sent ones to the world. Jesus desires his disciples to be set apart, sent ones to the world. Uh, We're sanctified sent ones. We, We have this mission from God that we have this good news of the gospel, but we have to see ourselves as set apart, and we have to see ourselves as sent ones. And... <clears throat> so do you see yourself as set apart, and do you see yourself as a sent one? When Katie and I first got married, we, we did this ministry called Apartment Life, and in this in this ministry, we decided that we wanted to really start our marriage in a place where we were going to be devoted to Uh, being set apart, to being sent ones to a community. We lived in a community. We were for the community. We were of the community. We were saying, hey, listen, guys, we are going to get to know you. We are going to be a part of this, and we're going to do this selfless ministry as much as we can, so two or three events a month where we're uh, providing, like, breakfast at the gate. And a lot of times what that looks like is we're standing out there. We've got tables. We've got breakfast. We're trying to give away free breakfast. We're getting flipped off. People are yelling at us as they drive by because they don't know who we are. And it's this this hard thing of like this is a hostile world we're set apart sent ones, um, and it's challenging, but then we see all this cool stuff that starts to happen as as we serve the community, as walls get broken down, as we love our community, and and we saw some cool things happen, um, and and. Uh, I don't say this like in a, in a boastful way. I, I want to say, I want to really highlight and promote uh, our youth in that uh, here's a picture of us uh, doing a backyard Bible club. We did three backyard Bible clubs uh, at our time at the lakes. And, and through this and through other evangelistic efforts, we saw over 30 people trust in Jesus through our efforts and through, through the youth faithfully sharing the gospel. As these kids saw, our kids sharing the gospel because they were sold out for Jesus. They said, you know, I want that. I want to follow Jesus. And we saw a lot of cool God movement here. We did some other stuff like ice cream socials, just continually trying to lay down our lives, trying to serve this community. And we saw God bless it in this mighty way because we saw ourselves as sanctified sent ones. Now, I don't say that like, wow, look at us. We're perfect, right? We, We don't get it right. We mess up a lot. But God does incredible things through our uh, failures, through our efforts, and through us try- just attempting to be faithful. He says, You know what? I see it. I see your effort. I see you flailing a little bit, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bless you here. And um, one of the coolest ways that God blessed us was through uh, one, re- one couple, or this, this resident, and her name was Sherry. And she was a single mom, and um, her son, Timmy, uh, And her came to almost all of our events they were faithfully there and a lot of times at the end of the event we would uh, box up whatever leftovers we had we'd send it home with them we really loved sherry and timmy and katie and sherry became really close and as they became closer uh, katie would oftentimes help her with her son timmy uh, like if timmy wanted to do an extracurricular activity and katie would go and pick him up from from school many times a week. And she became Timmy's second emergency contact uh, to where uh, we're, we're, I'm thinking, God, you're going to for sure like just pull back the veil. You're going to save Sherry. You're going to save Timmy. We're going to see like great faithful following of Jesus. But instead, we just see this relationship building. And, and it's this awesome thing of, um, as our time at the lakes ended, um, Sherry and Timmy uh, asked us this really cool question. And and here's a picture of Sherry and Timmy uh, and us. And this is one of our last events at the lakes. And, and at this last event, one of our last events at the lakes, what they, uh, what they said is, um, will, you be, will you be Timmy's godparents? Um, Kate, Katie's faithful love and care for Sherry and, and uh, Timmy and us inviting them into our lives uh, led to this place of, of, if anything were to happen to Sherry, she's going to trust us with her son and and like i i, I don't want to say like wow look at look at this awesome thing i'm saying we we have failed we have flailed in this and god has somehow blessed that flailing blessed that by doing this unthinkable thing of making Sherry and timmy literally family for us and and this is a, a crazy weight and and honestly if i'm honest if i'm talking about this text as I, as i'm looking at it as i'm thinking and considering what god has done through this word and thinking about how he 's uh, done this in the past, I think about sharing to me, and I think about how much uh, more I could do for them how much uh, how it 's easy for us to drift apart when we 're not neighbors when we don 't see them across the way on the daily anymore, and how I have uh, failed and could could do more to continue this relationship and so um, that that 's my intention that 's what i 'm going to do is i 'm going to take this uh, heed from God's word. and I'm going to say, you know what, God, I, I hear you. And very clearly, I want to be more active in Timmy's life. I want to be more active with Sherry. And so, uh, Lord, help help us to, to do that. And so, what we see here is that as we see ourselves as set apart sent ones to the world, uh, God's love is going to be shown through that. And we see that in verse 20 when the, the text takes a big turn, because Instead of Jesus just praying for his disciples at the time, he starts to pray for his future disciples. He says, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given them, that they may be one even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you loved me. This is incredible. Uh, he prays for those who believe in me through their word. A lot of times we can read ourselves into God's word. We can say, oh, that must be about me, right? Um, literally here, Jesus is praying for me. He's praying for you. He's praying for those who will believe in me through his disciples' word. And what does he pray for us? That we would be one. This, this oneness, it's such an important thing, right? Uh, Ace, my son, his name is the same Greek word as this. This is hen. Uh, Heis is another rendering of it, the masculine form of it. This word for one, it's, it's a passion of Katie and mine. And what we want is we want, the, we want to bring about this perfect unity. We want to bring about this kind of oneness wherever we go. And, and this, what, what kind of oneness is it? It's not just like, hey, I'm going to tolerate you, but it's this perfect unity. And what does that mean? He's saying just as you are in me and I in you, that's this mutual indwelling, like this crazy intimacy that's supernatural and we can't even grasp because you're in me and I'm in you. It's like physically impossible, but uh, it's, it's this beautiful picture of, of as close as close can be. So that the world may believe that you sent me. So as we embrace the, the relationship goals of the Trinity. As we say, you know what? The same way that the Trinity is close, that like perfectly one close, like three persons, one God close, the same way that the Trinity is one, I want oneness in my church. I want oneness in, and I have to pursue that. And the reason that I have to pursue that is so that the world sees our unity. They see our love for one another and they believe that Jesus was sent from the Father, that Jesus is who he says he is. And, and the only way for this to even be possible is that Jesus has revealed to us his glory, the glory that God has given him, he has given to, his, uh, given to us that we may be one, even as the Father and the Son are one. It's as we grasp God's glory, as we look into his word, as we apply it to our lives, as we obey his word, that we can grasp this perfect unity where we don't just say, you know, there's a lot of things about James that I don't like. He's like still needs a lot of sanctification and there's still a lot of problems with him. And, and you don't just push that person away, but you say, I, I see the sin, I see the, the error, but we're one in Christ. We both have access to God through Jesus Christ and, and we are one. And so I'm gonna pursue that unity even in spite of my imperfection, my sin, even in spite of his imperfection, his sin, and we pursue oneness, true oneness. This is what our hope is for our community. That we would be perfectly one so that the world would know that you sent me and love them even as you loved me. The goal of perfect unity is, is that the world would know that Jesus was sent from the Father, that God loves us, with that same love that he has for, the, that he has for Jesus Christ. That is a, a, an incredible love that should be mind-blowing for us. And, and so what does God want us to get from this? Jesus desires us to be perfectly one so that the world can see God's love on display. Jesus desires us to be perfectly one so that the world can see God's love on display. Perfect unity is not just, it's not simply tolerating somebody. It's not saying, you know what, I'm going to keep it at the surface, and I'm just going to say, I don't need any relational depth with you. It's saying, I'm going to pursue you. I'm going to pursue unity with you by actually knowing you, by actually caring about you, by uh, righting my wrongs, by, by apologizing, by forgiving, by pursuing that unity and seeking that, reflecting and saying, where could I love better? And, and how can I better reflect Christ in my relationships? Where could I love better, and how could I better reflect Christ in my relationships? Am I forgiving? Am I uh, just giving people opportunities to forgive? And, and like for us and other churches, this doesn't mean that we just embrace—we uh, say, you know, what? we need just one world church. And we say, let's just embrace everybody together. We're all just one church. No, but, but it is a unity in love that we say— we are for uh, other churches. That if they're preaching Jesus and the gospel, we are for them. Um, a win for the kingdom is a win for the kingdom. And and so, uh, what does it mean for Jesus to Jesus's desire for us to be perfectly one, so the world can see God's love on display? Well, I started sharing with you guys about Kevin, right? Uh, where where Kevin and I we get to we get to know each other. We're unlikely friends or acquaintances at best. Um, he he didn't want to open the door. He he hated. Uh, evangelist, and and it kind of reminded him of like his faith growing up, and and how he wasn't really there at that time, and so there was like nothing in him that wanted to open the door. There was a hostility there, but but there was also this other story of what God had been doing in his life outside of that, where God had actually been. Uh, causing him to question his uh, aspiring rap star goals uh, and using those to question uh, that against his faith. And and, uh, I was texting him yesterday and he he said this, um, I think at a certain point, that lifestyle definitely made it more difficult to get back connected. I didn't want to look like a hypocrite. You know, I'm talking about drinking, partying, sex. How can I go to church after that? If I choose to do that, I'm going to have to change. And that was a big hurdle for me. I liked being the cool artist guy. It took a while for me to let go of that idea, and right around the time you knocked on the door, I was having that internal battle. And, and so Kevin, uh, he opened the door. God's doing this work behind the scenes. He opens the door, and, and I get to share the gospel with him. Uh, he, he texted this to me yesterday. He said, I remember you drew a picture of the cross connecting two sides of a valley. And i started to really think about that i, I th- this is how awkward i was as an evangelist i said hey can i explain to you what i mean let me draw you a picture and i drew the bridge illustration of of man over here separated from god because this big gap of sin in the middle and this big gap of sin uh, causes this separation from god and the only way for that gap to be uh, sealed the only way for us to have access to god is through jesus who is God and is man who lived the perfect life we could never live? Who died the death that we deserve? Who's absorbed the wrath for sin that we deserve, so that we could, we as sinful man, could walk and we could have that relationship, that peace with our God. And um, and God did the unthinkable in that relationship and in in Kevin uh, and my friendship that I got to uh, Robert and I got to lead Kevin to faith that night that we got to share. Jesus with him, and 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 he wanted to uh, embrace Jesus. He wanted to follow Jesus. He wanted to surrender his life to him. He was ready to stop playing the game. He didn't want to be a hypocrite, and he knew that that might mean change, But and he didn't have all the answers at that point, but he was willing to learn. And so uh, for weeks after that, I went to Kevin's house, and, and we walked through discipleship. We walk through uh, the basics of what it means to follow Jesus, what it means to love Jesus, what it means uh, to know that when you're saved, when you've believed in him, there's nothing that can happen that can shake that salvation from you. You are his forever. And what's cool is that our friendship grew. He was a, Kevin was an usher in my wedding, um, and then when I met Kevin, he was engaged, and um, he actually asked me to officiate his wedding. And so here's me and Kevin and Lori on their wedding day. And this was the first wedding that I got to officiate. He knew that uh, I have these, these dreams of being a pastor and a church planter, and he asked if I would officiate his wedding. I have this special honor uh, at, a, at a wedding that months before I would say I, have, I, I wouldn't even expect to be there. Somehow we have this friendship that has grown into him asking me to officiate and, and giving me this huge honor. At his wedding, and what I love about this too is that in the same way that the love shared between a bride and a groom is on display at a wedding, God's love for this world is on display through the unity of the church. In the same way that Kevin's love for Lori is on display at this wedding, God's love for this world is on display when we pursue perfect unity as a church. It's work. It's hard work, but it's worth it. This is. God's plan to share His love with the world, and so the question today is: Will you pursue perfect unity to win the world to Christ? Will you pursue perfect unity to win the world to Christ? And if you're here and you're not, a, if you're here and you're a Christian, um, we have to be committed to one another in love. We have to have that commitment, and we have to be willing to reconcile, willing to go beyond when when we offend each other because we will. We have to be willing to say, Hey, you know what? I've, I've wronged you, and I'm sorry. We have to fight for unity, and we have to fight for peace. And if you're here and you're not a Christian, my prayer is that if you're hearing this and you haven't believed in Jesus, that, that the Christians that you've interacted with, especially us from Wells Branch Community Church, have shown you God's love. We've shown you this perfect uh, unity through the way that we love one another. And we've, we, we've given this witness uh, that this is the love of God. This is the commitment that God has for his church and for his people. And, and perfect unity, it can only be found in Christ. So uh, I would plea with you to trust Jesus, to admit that you're a sinner, to believe that Jesus lived the perfect life you could never live, that he died the death uh, that I deserve, that, that we deserve from our sin, and that you would choose to surrender to him, you choose to follow him. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for your word and uh, for your will being so clear in this passage, Lord, that you want us to be perfectly one so that the world might know that you are God. I pray that our worship for you would grow. I pray that our love for you would grow as we pursue one another in love, as we, we really are one together. Would you help us to have that oneness? Would you help us to have that peace? Would you help us to have that unity together? Lord, uh, we need your help because we can't do it on our own. So Lord, uh, we love you and we need you. And we pray this all humbly in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, at this time, uh, we're going to move into a time of reflection before communion. And so I'd ask you to uh, examine yourself, examine your uh, life, and and prayerfully consider uh, what God might have you repent of before taking communion.